Hey y'all, and welcome to Favorite for the Win, a husband and wife take on life and sports where it sounds like a good fight, even when we agree. I'm Shannon Favorite. And I'm Greg Favorite. Welcome to Rivalry Week- Weekend. We have our first special guest on our show, our brother-in-law, Dan Dory, by way of Pittsburgh. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. So, let's jump right in. we got a lot of college football to talk about. We want to talk about college football, we want to talk about Thanksgiving Day first. Let's go Thanksgiving Day first, Shannon. All right, let's talk. Okay. The question that everybody has, are y'all still them boys? No, they're not. Did anybody watch Thanksgiving Day? Did anybody? Because I just want you to know, let's talk about Josh Allen, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, and who the Cowboys aren't. Well, I think it's important, and I've been telling y'all this, and everybody's talking about Jason Garrett, and I get it. Listen, you have a you have a running back who goes 8 for 52 in the first quarter, and then he gets the ball five more times for the rest of the game. And I'm telling you, I know that's a coaching call, but your, your owner doesn't come out afterwards and sit there and say all the great things he said about Jason Garrett if that wasn't actually his call. Well, We've all said that he's a, pu- he's a puppet, so it's, it's either he is a puppet or he isn't a puppet. It's the mannequin that is Jason Garrett, and... Look, there's a reason why people, he's been in that job for so long, and there's a reason why people don't want that job. I mean, Bill Parcells, Hall of Fame coach, said, I'm out. I can't deal with this after all of these things. So let's be real about who they are, what they are. And, Dan, let's ask you, like, what's your take on the Dallas Cowboys, and what do you think, what do you see them as, and what are they? Are they are they a playoff team? Yes. Can they still win the division and be a playoff team? But what is your take on Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys? Well, Parcells always said you are what your record says you are. And the Cowboys are a 500 team right now. For the last 23 years. (laughs) You know, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be kicking themselves five years from now because they only won one Super Bowl in a period of time where the Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants were just a hot mess. And they had a free pass out out into the playoffs every single year. It's true. That's... It's a good take. This is why we have a good guest speaker this week. Oh, goodness, the Boston College guy. The smart guy. <laughs> no worries. Next up, let's talk about the Falcons. Or the mess that is the Falcons. So is it time Matt Ryan's 34 years old? And, like, look, we're talking to a B. We have a BC alum on the show this week. Might so, be a little sensitive. <laughs> so it might be a little sensitive, but do we think that it's that Matt Ryan is done? Because let's look at the Falcons, and, and again – Here's what we do. We talk about quarterbacks and how important that position is, especially in that league, in the, in the National Football League. And a couple of things we talk about are how you do in the two-minute drill, how you do on third down, and how you do in the red area, right? Sure. And the Falcons with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Devonta Freeman, and then all pros at every level. Sure. And we've won three games. I just... I just... I don't I don't know how... Like, is that broken? Is it coaching? Is it Dan Quinn? I don't know. I just think sometimes you can have some really good players and they don't mesh well. That's my personal opinion. Like, when I look at them play, when I watch them out there and I'm looking at them play, I'm just like... I mean, you know how individually good a lot of these players are, but then when you see them together, it looks like a big mess. It looks a bit like a Monet. Yep. All right. Seriously, Matt Ryan... 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You know he's not. He doesn't. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have them on his back and carrying them to the victories. But he's not the reason they're losing either. Fair enough. I mean, there no. are other problems there. Hundred percent agree. And one, 
you, you one you can't tackle, and one maybe you can't protect them either. I don't know. They don't look very team oriented when they're out there, though. This but there's a lot of first rounders out there. Is my 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 only point when I say there's a lot of first rounders. There's a lot of first rounders on that team. There's a lot of first rounders on the Browns. So what? Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, and he's not going to be there much longer. I don't know if you can get those players to play together either, though. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Just I, because you have a lot of good players doesn't mean you have a team. You just have a lot of good players out there. But this team is two years removed from the Super Bowl. And well, let's talk about this. Let's. I mean, the Cowboys, the same thing. There's a lot of good players out on that field. Yeah, and when I watch sure. them play, I do not see a team of guys out there. I don't. And, like, we all know how tough it is to win games in this league, and I've said this from week one forever, how tough it is to win games in the National Football League. However... You're in a division where basically now this year, because Cam Newton's been on the on the sidelines forever. Sure. And you're in that NFC South where it's basically Drew Brees and the Atlanta and, and, and Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan has just not lived up to what like we need you to lead and we need you to win us football games, dude, and you're not doing it. My Tampa pick doesn't look so good anymore. Well, you know, I mean I've heard everyone say that football's the ultimate team sport. And the whole team has to play. And there are a lot of good quarterbacks out there that are good players that just have never had the supporting cast around them, Matt Stafford, to really have have a Super Bowl winning team. Shout out Matt Stafford, my dude. And you know, if we look at the Falcons and how they play, they can put they can they can string plays together, they can't string games together. But has yes. Matt Stafford had anybody like Julio freaking Jones, dude? But, Calvin yes. Johnson. Cal- for two years. For two uh, two years? Or Maybe you longer say- than two. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. I will give you that that uh, Matt Ryan had top-end Julio Jones through his entire prime. And, and Matt Ryan Stafford White. did not have Calvin Johnson for that same stretch of time. No. No. No, but it's widely recognized that Matt Stafford's best year as a quarterback was the year after Calvin Johnson wasn't there. Correct. Like, let's be honest about it. Brought in Marvin Jones. The way he spread the ball around that year was honestly his best effort as a quarterback that we'd seen up to that point. He had a new coach that year, though, didn't he? Was that the beginning of the Jim Caldwell era there? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, all right, moving along, let's get to Saturday because we're going to talk about a little bit of college ball before we get back to the pros. All right, so we saw some games today. First off, I want to say this. We just watched the Alabama-Auburn game. First takes. Unlike any other Nick Saban team I've ever seen, to be quite honest with you, you had procedural penalties, and you had just not, I don't want to say unreadiness to play, because that's not really a word, but procedural penalties and things that are unlike a Nick Saban team. Did they have 13 penalties total for that yes, game? Yes, and it's an all-time record. All-time record, right. For, for a Nick Saban team. Period. They just didn't seem like they were ready to go. And whoever is playing quarterback and spread that ball all around the yard and get it to all those wide receivers, they weren't able to do it today. They did it points, but there were costly penalties all throughout the way, regardless of what happened. Longest first take ever. But good job, though, hun. Thanks. What about you, Dan? So there are three tiers in college football. Tier 1, Ohio State, LSU. Tier 2, Clemson. Tier 3, everybody else, it doesn't matter. They're playing for whatever. 
he's calling everybody Roy. Oh, look at look at Dan going with the Roy's. I like that. Okay. Um, and my take on this tour in 2021. Yeah. I'm telling you he's coming back. I told you he was coming back when it happened. A little bit more information came out. I'm telling you, Tua in 2021. Okay. So, with that being said, we've now taken Tua out of the equation. I don't think he's going to go in that draft. Who's going to be the number one overall draft pick this year? Chase Is Chase Young the best player in college football? Well, who's going to be the number one? Who, who's, going to, who's going to have the number one pick? We, well... Right now, it's going to be the Bengals. And do we not think you need a game record? Or do we not think you need bombing for Burrow? Uh, yeah, it would totally be the, the, the Bengals thing to do, to take the quarterback that's only had one productive year then go out and tank in the <laughs> NFL. To, to then once again further the Steelers' dominance in yes. the NFC North. <laughs> Thank you really kind of true, historically yeah. speaking. And it's not even Marvin Lewis's fault at this point in time because he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. Well, he wasn't there for Akili Smith either. Yeah, uh, but do we, believe, do we believe that Chase Young, he wasn't there for David Klingler either, right? Do we believe that Chase Young... Do, can anybody honestly, with a with a clean conscience, say that he Chase Young is not the best player in college football? I mean, look, I know the numbers that Burrow is putting up, but can we not say that Chase Young is the best player in college? Defensive football? players don't move the number, they, Greg. They don't. They don't. Defensive players the don't last, move the number. The last defensive player, other than Chuck Woodson, who won the Heisman, but the last one to be there at the Downtown Athletic Club was Derek Brooks. No, wasn't. Manti Teo was there. Oh, damn. Chase Young doesn't move the number. They're bombing for Burrow. The Bengals, if they have the number one pick right now, I'm telling you, they're gonna take. They're gonna take Burrow. Perfect. But do we? Can we all be in agreement that Chase Young might be the best player in college football? Sure. But he's not gonna be the number one overall pick. Okay. All right. Well, that's fire. So now we've said that, and I've kind of skipped around a little bit. But Dan already mentioned the playoff teams. What he thought. About the Rory's. So let's let's rank them. Let's rank them. Let's do Dan, it. Dan, I'll let you start. Give us your top four in college football. Uh, the top four: LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. Ah, flip a coin. Throw Oklahoma in there. Wow. He go he go Boomer sooner. All right. What do you got? I got. I still believe in beyond stall. <laughs> I still believe it should be actually Clemson, okay, Ohio State, LSU, and then the Georgia Bulldogs. I and the only reason why I have Clemson at one is because man they've they've won twenty four or twenty five straight whatever it is at this juncture they've won those they haven't lost and they're defending national champs. They haven't lost, but technically you're not supposed to count last season's wins in all of this. Well, in and my I understand opinion, what you're saying. I am a that's what I have. I understand what you're saying. So I. I I'm gonna go LSU. I do. I don't care what anybody says. I think LSU is the best team in the country. I and I. That's definitely an SEC homer pick for me. I'm gonna go LSU. Then I'm gonna go Clemson. Then Ohio State. I'm giving Clemson the benefit of the doubt for the same reason you just did because they haven't lost. And so until they lose, like, it's kind of hard for me to sit there and say it's gonna be somebody else. And yeah. then, you know the fourth team. I really don't care who it's gonna be. Oregon. Somebody. Who cares? Right. I don't. But I really don't. Your number four. I don't have a fourth team. I mean, Georgia, I guess, but, like, I'm not – I watch them, and I'm, like, I'm not convinced. They don't pass the eyeball test. For no, them. they don't. You can no. throw literally any fourth team in the country. They lost that. I home, don't care. But in between the hedges to South Carolina, and it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. This is why the four-team playoff is clearly superior to the BCS and doesn't need to go to eight teams. Correct, because all you do is water it down. I'm an eight-team I mean, player, so I'm not. No, I'm, I'm Dan. I am 100 with this you. This argument right here, I am agreeing with you. This year in particular, 
I agree with that. Not the, not just this year. I mean, basically, you can go back every year, any year, every year. Once you get past that third team, thank you. Pretty weak. I disagree. I disagree. Boom. Nope, I disagree. Three years ago in 2016, Ohio State was in the was in the game and they got worked by Clemson. But I thought Penn State should have been in there. Yeah, and they got smoked by USC. Sam Donald threw for two fifty. That's not fair. Sam Donald threw for two hundred and sixty-five yards in the first half. Yeah, oh. but wasn't that one of those years where it was Alabama, Clemson in the championship game? And yes. those were head and shoulders above everybody. Correct. Else. They really were. So That's almost true. who cares who was the fourth team. Right. There. Also true. For fair sure. enough. All right. All you might be convincing me. Which further Dan actually further. might have given me the best argument for not expanding to the Exactly. Uh, I'll take it. I'll buy it. All right, last thing about college football. Where will P.J. Fleck be rowing the boat next year? He's going to be a Trojan. He's going to be a USC Trojan. Actually, you know, you want my honest take? I think he's going to be at Minnesota again. I don't think he's leaving. I think he's at Minnesota, too. I think USC gets Franklin if they want him. Here, here's oh, the deal. I don't. Oh, here's the deal. saying that. Here's the deal. I don't. So, USC recently just hired the former... UC, University of Cincinnati, AD. Right. I don't believe he's he's a very humble and when I say quiet person and doesn't believe in abrupt change. Like, and this is what I've read and this is what I've heard. So I believe that actually Clay, uh, Clay Helton will be at USC again next year. I know it's not going to make the boosters happy. And I love USC more than anybody because I think when USC's good, college football's good. But he also secretly loves USC. Yeah, I believe that Clay Helton's probably going to be there. So, you know, I think PJ Fleck is going to be rowing the boat in Minnesota again next year. I mean, here's a transition. Greg said on a number of occasions already that Ryan Day's not going to be at the Ohio State University very long because he's going to get scooped up by the NFL. True. P.J. Flex got roots at the Ohio State University from Jim Trestle's staff. So he stays, Look at at, stays at Minnesota. How about some inside information? This is this is what we're talking about. Well, that that's a transition that makes sense. P.J. Flex clearly a Midwest guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Big Ten is a yeah. great fit for him. Yeah. If you're looking at jobs in the Big Ten that are clearly better than Minnesota, there's not that many because they're all kind of the same. They except are. for the Ohio State. Michigan, and Penn, Penn State. State. That's the list. PJ yep. P- Fleck isn't changing his colors. He's going to Florida State. Ooh. <laughs> okay. That's you heard it like first. Best of luck recruiting that area that you've never recruited, though. He's Just a Midwest like, guy. I want y'all to remember, where, where where was Bobby Bowden before he built Florida State? He's a West Virginian. Ooh. I'm just telling you. Oh, okay. All right. I'm gonna tell you, PJ Fleck is the kind of guy that they're gonna want, that they're gonna need actually, in order to rebuild, be able to rebuild that program because they can't go off and get a Southerner because they've already screwed that up for basically everybody in the entire world. I'm just saying, PJ Fleck is gonna be at Florida State next year. Book it. No, <laughs> <laughs> using the old Western PA term, book it. All right, so we're gonna take a moment out and we're gonna talk about. Um, Dan had a really interesting topic earlier that I want to talk about: the best first team out of the playoffs in the history of the playoffs. I've already said mine. I thought it was Penn State that year. I know that they got worked by USC, but we've also seen time and time again, like these young men not being able to pull themselves out of the game they thought they should have been in and then end up losing the next game. And it's all built up because you think that, hey, I'm supposed to be in this game. Well, we saw Alabama do it too. 
We right? saw Georgia the do BCS. it last year against yep. Texas. Exactly, right? And do we honestly Most think, recently. And do we honestly think Texas is a better team than Georgia? No. Right. Okay. So what else? Who, all right, who, who do we have here? Best first team out of the playoffs. All right, so my vote was the Stanford team that had Christian McCaffrey on it, <sighs> even though team. it had two losses. But my primary point in bringing this up is that that year, even though that Stanford team was really good, they weren't beating Clemson or Alabama. No, they either. weren't. That's true. And so even though there's going to be a lot of consternation and wailing and complaining about who's in or who's out, the best three teams are making the playoffs this year. True. And the national champion will be legitimate. Yes. Absolutely. And by the way, no funny fun notable fact about Christian McCaffrey who recently came out about two weeks ago and said that he talked to a Heisman voter who said the reason why I didn't vote for you is because I fell asleep during your games because they were on the West Coast and I never watched them. It's the, I told you I told you it was the East Coast bias, Greg. Yep. I told you it was the East Coast bias. Completely on that. I mean, people just, they're not going to get enough credit Who's your for that. team? I told you, Penn State. I thought Penn State should have been there. That's Saquon Barkley team in 2016. Should have been in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I don't have one. I don't have one. You know who, my team that should, that was, that was eliminated that should have been in? I'm listening. I don't have one. That's terrible. I know. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. That's terrible. I, I feel like it. I should vote for the Art Browse Baylor team just to start here. You go on. Oh no! Because you'll be in hell. You'll be in hell with the rest of them. You'll be in hell okay. with the rest of them. And we can say this: we can go back to when the playoffs first started, and that whole debacle that was Baylor and TCU because they didn't want to claim who was the yeah. Big Twelve champion. You know, that's what you get, jerk asses. Yeah. No. Don't have a common championship. Have a com or, or pick one. Don't we get co champions? Whatever. I don't like that at all. All right. The Sunday, 49ers Ravens. Two trains? One track. Here we go. Like get your big boy pads out. Okay, for this one because like look, but here's the funny part about all of this. The funny part about all of this is we're going to have two quarterbacks and it's going to be George Kittle. It's going to be the tight ends against the tight ends. And so, who can cover those guys? Can the Ravens figure out how to stop George Kittle? And can the 49ers figure out how to stop the, the dynamic duo of the of, of the Hearst kid who had who had Steve Blast disease yeah. because he was drafted in the first round of the MLB yep. draft? So, Hayden Hurst, South Carolina kid. Can they figure that out? I don't know. And and can you and by the way, can you do what Eric Weddle couldn't see? We couldn't see the ball, man. That's what he said. He said, we, we didn't know who where the ball was. So can you tell that Lamar Jackson has it? And can Nick Bosa, can he read and react? That's going to be the key to all of this. I actually think the key to this game is going to be the quarterback. And I'm not talking about Lamar Jackson. I'm actually talking about Jimmy, Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo. I actually think people have talked so bad, and I don't even know why. Like he he's won. I've lost one game. But he, I don't understand why people just dislike this kid. And I guess he's not really a kid. This young man, I don't know. Like I, people don't like him, and I don't understand why. I think he's going to be the difference maker in this game. I think it comes down to the 49ers defensive line. Ooh. Yep. If yeah. they control the line, they control Lamar Jackson. Fair yep. enough. If he's unleashed, it's over. Here's the deal. Yeah, if, if you want, if you want a blueprint 
to how to stop Lamar Jackson. Go back to the stats of the Pittsburgh The Baltimore Steelers game. game. Yeah, the Steelers game. Dude, he threw three interceptions. He was like 13-20 for 127 yards and three picks. Like, uh, look, if you control the line of scrimmage, a la Dan's point. Yep. I think that's Man, right. You can figure out how to, how to contain things. him. You gotta yeah. figure out how to contain him. So you can stop the run box. and get ahead. Well, stop his run. Yes. Stop his run. Force him to throw the ball. Yep. you're gonna win. And whoa, get ahead too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if you're up fourteen nothing and you make him put it in the air, I know. I know what the QBR numbers say. I I get it. But are those the real numbers? I get it. Next up, uh, Patriots-Texans. That's a Sunday night game. I don't really – I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care one way or the other. I mean, I get it. Bill O'Brien, yada, yada, yada. The Patriots, blah, 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 blah. I don't care about this game. I don't – Yeah. Uh, you know, like, look, I, I I think it's just a good night to see Deshaun and DeAndre and those guys out there doing their thing. That that That's really, for me, that's the biggest thing. Fair enough. The Texans are the sneakiest seven and four team ever. Like I heard you guys talking about them playing the Patriots, who are ten and one, and I'm thinking, how is that even going to be a game? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna, but the, but I it's didn't a know they're two division winners, so it, it could be legit. Yeah. Oh no, the Cowboys are also division winners right now too. So division leaders right now. So yo, yeah, right. Funniest thing I saw this week. Wrapping this up. Let's talk about, okay, funniest thing I saw this week. I'm going to start this one off. So I can't believe I saw this. Dan actually showed it to me, and then I saw something in my feed earlier, as a, again, afterwards. Um, Freddie Kitchens. We've been talking about Freddie Kitchens not being head coaching material. And then he just hands us a little gem with that stupid shirt and, and his statement and tried to cover it up. And he says, I didn't think anybody would see it. Did you not know people were going to be in your house? Sure, Pittsburgh sure. started it. Okay. How old are you? I mean, are you, like you're supposed to be the leader of men here, leader of men of a 53-man roster. Don't count the 10 on the practice squad. We already know your team has the maturity of a bunch of 13-year-old boys. Yet somehow or another, you've managed to top that and say, "Hold my beer," on Thanksgiving. Yep. Great job. That's my funniest thing I saw this week. Uh, I'll go. I'll go next. So funniest thing I saw this week. Let's go to the Egg Bowl. <laughs> Let's go to the Egg Bowl. Miss player Elijah Moore, wide receiver. Scored a touchdown, lifted his leg on all fours like a dog and peed in the end zone at Mississippi State with four seconds left. The celebration penalty got a personal foul, backed the the PAT up 15 yards, and the kicker missed it. Subsequently, Ole Miss lost the game by one point. So sad. So sad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan, what's your funniest thing? So... This is going to go in the funny, crazy combo category. Syracuse and Wake Forest played to get today. They went to overtime. Football? Football. Oh. <laughs> it's in overtime, and the Wake Forest receiver catches the ball and is running towards the end zone when the Syracuse player wraps him up ballroom dancing style and slings him aside. And the Wake Forest player goes one way, and the Syracuse player in the ball go 95 yards the other way for the touchdown. And that's how the game ended. Ouch! That's pretty good. It's a nice visual. That is pretty good. All right. Shout out to Jodo. He did a good job of describing that one. He really did. All right. Most impressive thing I saw this week. I'll let somebody else go first. All right. So my most impressive thing this week is going to be a blast from the past. Um, 
And anybody that knows me knows how much I loved Anthony Kim, former professional golfer, great Ryder Cup player, great pro. Unfortunately, I had a bad wrist accident. Not the same player he was. Actually, doesn't play professional golf anymore. But in 2008, Anthony Kim was at a restaurant with his. He was at a with a swing coach at a restaurant in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, at a pizza place, and the um, waitress was pregnant and very much pregnant, about eight months pregnant, and said, "Oh, your 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 husband must be so excited." And she broke into tears and said, "She he laughed me." And and the fortunate thing and the most impressive thing about it is that he left a twenty thousand dollar tip. Fast forward three months later, him and his swing coach come back into the same restaurant. She hugs him, sees him, and hugs him first thing when she sees him because he'd already had the baby, and says, "Thank you so much. You changed my life." Um, most impressive thing, and it's a shout out to Anthony Kim and. Shout out, you know, 10 years ago. I know it's it's a long way back, but, you know, that's just goes to kind of talk to you about what the kind of guy Anthony Kim was. All right, Dan, what's your most impressive thing? So I'm going to go to the Iron Bowl and go with the performance that Waddle had today, which involved three different touchdowns and just complete domination in a losing effort. But it was quite the performance. All right. And my most impressive thing I saw this week the Lake Show is back, baby! Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. The Lake Show is coming back to a theater near you. Can't wait, because they're going to be on Christmas Day. That's all we got this week. I'm Shannon Favorite. I'm Greg Favorite. And this is Dan Doherty. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all.